Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit traumaresourceinstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine Miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine Miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. This is your host, Elaine Miller Karras. And I would like to start out today by thanking the Board of Directors of the Trauma Resource Institute for hosting Resiliency Within for the next year. So we've been renewed for 52 weeks, and I'm so excited that my two guests today, Bodine and Mevin Boyd, are are going to be talking to you about the incredible work they're doing in Hanover County in Wilmington, North Carolina. So what is the name of today's show? It's entitled Resilience in the Public Sector and Beyond. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Mebane and Boyle in just a second, but I want to tell you a little bit about New Hanover County. It faces many natural crises due to the location on the coast of North Carolina and the numerous hurricanes that have occurred over the last few years. New Hanover County adopted biologically based resilience practices, including the community resiliency model, with the goal to create trauma-informed and resiliency-focused practice toward each person in their community and in public service, sharing a common understanding of the impact of trauma and chronic stress on the nervous system. The implementation is integrated as core measures for professional development and as a means to permeate the county's culture. This is not only imperative in the aftermath of community disasters, but also for prevention. And I'm so excited about the prevention aspect of what you all are doing there. And you see, I'm talking to people from the South, and I've already said, y'all, that that happens to me every time. (laughs) I can't tell you. But anyway... But I think what's exciting is that there's a new Hanover County Resiliency Task Force that you're going to tell us more about. And you're going to talk about the, the programs that you've been working on and also the challenges that you've had in bringing this program forward and also the successes. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Mebin first. Mebin Boyd is a licensed clinical social worker. There's a longer um, bio on both of them on, on the Resiliency Within Voice of America um, page. But in 2018, Ms. Boyd had the opportunity to bring together her experiences and contacts um, across the community and her, her knowledge of the topic of resiliency to help to create trauma-informed community. Under her leadership, there are currently, oh my gosh, I can't believe this, Mebin, over 100 organizations and 700 probably growing in terms of numbers, individuals collaborating to make Hanover County and North Carolina more compassionate and resilient. In October 2018, um, she was recognized as the community chapter champion for New Hanover County for the work with the National Center for Disaster Preparedness to ensure um, that that children's unique needs are considered when planning for disasters, which sometimes they're overlooked. So that work is so important when we think about the disasters that your community has faced, but also that Sadly, um, people are experiencing all over the country and the world due to climate change. And you just recently started a new position as a resiliency officer of North Carolina Partnership for Children. I'm hopeful that you can tell us a little bit more about that in a little bit. 
And so Bo Dean Jr. serves as well as as <laughs> serves as well as lives in New Hanover County. And uh, you are the senior HR analyst for training and development with over 1,800 public servants. Oh, my goodness. That's a, that's a big number. And I know that you are bringing the community resiliency model to your organization. But you're also a CRIM certified educator. And, oh, my goodness, are you a servant to your community or what in your private life? And I can't mention all the organizations that you um, have supported, but I'm going to say a few. New Hanover Regional Hospital Foundation, the Wilmington Housing Authority, the Wilmington Parks Advisory Board, and the founding executive director and now the announcer for Middle League of Wilmington, as well as of being a Rotarian. Oh, my goodness, both of you have done so much in your community and welcome to Resiliency Within. So as we get started today, I'm going to ask you each, what's on your mind? Is there anything that you want to say before we start with some of the, the, the questions we prepared for today? So um, I'm going to start with Mevin. I know you've been, you've been uh, traveling, Mevin, so anything on your mind? Oh, just um, glad that the internet is working and that, that um, through modern technology, you can be just about anywhere and have meaningful conversations with one another. And it's, it's great to see your face and connect with you and have this chance to, um, to be with Bo. Um, we haven't seen each other in person, even though we've worked together for hours and hours and hours <laughs> this year. So um, nice to see both of you. Yes, it's nice to see you too. And we're um, for those of you, we also are on uh, Facebook Live on Resiliency Within, so you're also welcome to go there as well. So, Bo, what's on your mind right now? Well, I, I, again, I'm I'm like Mevin. I'm so excited to be connected, and I, there is no false humility in this. I am here today because of two people I'm looking at right now. I mean, Mebin, the work I'm doing is predicated on things that Mebin opened up into my life. And, and what came through Mebin was opened up because of what you opened up in all of our lives, Elaine. So I, I'm really excited about, about how this blew up in a, in a beautiful and gorgeous way and continues to permeate and how we continue to make it sort of continue to flourish in the community. So I'm just looking forward to the questions and being able to talk about it a little bit more. And I've done a little bit of a reset so that I can be online because I get really excited and obviously I talk a lot. So I've done a little grounding and I got both feet on the ground, but I got my head up in the sky and I'm just looking forward to this. Oh, well, thank you so much, Bo. You know, I think one of the things as you're talking, I'm thinking about the excitement that we're feeling about what's happened in, in Hanover County. And at the same time that we met out of suffering of, of, her, of right. Hurricane Florence. And, you know, there's always sometimes there's this little gold vein that can occur, even when there's great suffering. But I know that both of you, I'm, I, um, I'm just encouraged by knowing both of you, but maybe if you could each share a little bit of a personal story of what has helped you get through difficult times. And this time I'll start with Bo. Is there any little personal story that you would like to share with us as we get started? Sure. You said gold thread. And it's very interesting that you said that because today and this week is telecommunicators week. And when I first got started with New Hanover County, um, and, and it's so humbling to be around 26 different departments in local government that serve the public. And the more you get involved in seeing what they do on a regular basis, the more you realize, number one, trauma-informed, and I'm learning all about that, but then you see the gap between the intent 
to be of care and of service, and then all of the things that the crises, the traumas, the, all of the things that happen, and then the, the, sometimes the ability, that, that, that the, the lack of ability to create what you want or the intent of what you want and all the care that goes into that. And so when I first got started, I, I asked my boss, I said, can I go out and experience what people are doing? Because if I'm going to do training and development, I got to know what people do. He said, sure. So one of the ride-alongs that I did was with 911. And so this is Telecommunicators Week. And I sat there. They sit in these amazing chairs for 12-hour shifts. They have 10-minute breaks. And they're taking call after call after call. And not only are they taking the calls, but then they're monitoring the um, the, the uh, first responders, the social workers, the fire, sheriff, whatever. They're taking all the calls. They're monitoring who's out in the field, making sure they're okay. And they're dispatching at the same time. So you're taking the call. You're listening to the person calling in. You're dispatching. And you're making sure that the person that's out in the field is okay. And you're making sure that they're all right while they're actively on call. And I'm watching this. And I'm thinking, this is just extraordinary. And as I've gone along and, I, and we've gone through hurricanes and COVID and all the things that have happened in our community, I've realized, you know, what, what, what is needed when you're living with all that in your body, shift after shift after shift after shift. And then we went through Hurricane Florence. And all of us in New Hanover County who are employed at New Hanover County are on duty during a hurricane. And so for me, I had never been like a telecommunicator, and I'm not like them in the sense that I don't walk their, their walk every day. But I was on duty during these hurricanes. And what I found out about myself was that I did well during a crisis. I, I was able to respond. I was able to do. But what was living in my body, like with them, didn't get resolved. I kept it inside, and I wasn't listening to what was inside of me. So my blood pressure stayed really high. I ate a lot because I don't drink or anything like that. And so I gained weight. I had high blood pressure. One event after the other, I ended up having some pretty bad health issues. And I remember when I first came on, we'll talk about resilience, I know, as we go along, but I remember the first time I ever got introduced to resilience skills and tools Somebody asked me, his name is Mike Sapp. He's with Trauma Resource Institute. I'll never forget Mike Sapp asking. He said, when did you know in that last hurricane were you going to survive? And I just lost it because I was outside during the hurricane, and I, I'm one of those people that has to be outside. And I was sitting outside, and the storm had passed, but it was still sitting on top of us, and there was this amazing tree that was across the way over at the Cape Fear Public Utility Authority, and it was just moving in the wind, and it wouldn't fall. It was just moving. And all the other trees around it had fallen except for this one tree. And I was just watching this tree, and every time I would go outside and I would see this tree, it was like I could feel inside of me this sense of we're going to be okay. And it was this overwhelming feeling of ease and I could breathe and, oh, this is incredible. As you just me, took that breath, you just took yeah. that breath, it's like you sensed your survival at that moment. Absolutely. And when he asked you that question, 
So that and was so when that, he, that, yeah. must have been an incredible moment for you to actually it, sense your aliveness. It turned everything. It, it was the moment I realized what the shift was all about. Uh-huh. Being able to go from unpleasant to pleasant feelings. And I didn't have to be in that moment, but just make that shift. Yeah. And I thought, if I could give this feeling to those telecommunicators, if I could give this feeling to a t- person working in tax who's getting screamed at, or if I could give this feeling to a social worker, we could change the world. So I That's guess my that, that, that actually answers the second question, which is, how is your lived experience uh, made you passionate about what you're doing in the world. And that's certainly, there's an incredible yeah. illustration of that. So let yes, me ma'am. go to Mebin right now and see Mebin. Um, that's a hard story to follow. My Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I Mebin, love you. <laughs> can you tell us something about, about what, what's the personal story that comes to mind that helps you get through difficult times? And maybe it's also part of what creates your passion about what you do in the world. I, you know, I can think of so many, um, and including the time that um, I was driving home after my father died this past year, and I got Bo on the phone, and he, I um, was really in a awful place, and and he used he crammed me. Um, that that was the first story that that came to mind, and it really helped me. I, I probably shouldn't have been driving. I pulled over, and we had a, a conversation that um, put me back where I, I needed to be to continue to to drive home. But the story, actually, another story I thought about was my daughter um, a couple weekends ago accidentally ran over her phone. And she was in the middle of nowhere, and the only directions she had to this bed and breakfast where she was staying was on her phone. She didn't write down the name of the bed and breakfast. She, she didn't have anything, and she was completely lost, you know, and, and I'm hundreds of miles away. Just, you know, how do I walk her through this? And and actually, I used creme skills to keep myself calm and looking back on it, and, and even in that moment, I was thinking about mirror neurons, that if I stay calm, she will stay calm, and it will help her get to where she needs to go. So um, those are two very personal You were able to stay calm. You were able to stay calm and guide her. It took some effort. Yes. (laughs) Well, and, you know, and staying calm, and when we say we use the word crimmed now as a verb, is that there's a, there are a set of wellness skills. And these wellness skills can be simply asked, like when Mike asked you, can you remember the moment you survived? But I'm also curious, um, Bo, do you remember the, how you crimmed um, Eben? Were there a particular Was there a particular question or something that you said during that time? Or maybe Mebin can remember, because it might be helpful for our listeners to know, well, if I get faced with something like that, is there something that I could do to help a friend? Gosh, you know, I I really don't remember the particulars. Um, I I just remember um, I he let me emote um, and, you know, I was doing that anyway, but I felt safe with Bo to, to do that with him on the line. And I think that that human connection, that I wasn't alone in that moment of grief, that he was there to listen to that. And um, Bo, I don't, I don't remember what you said to me, but I just remember, I was so glad I pulled over and, and I really tried to absorb the help that he was giving me over the phone, um, rather than 
driving through it. I was like, I know I need this. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pulling over and I'm going to to hear what Bo is so going to say. So it almost sounds like you stayed, he helped you I, stay I in the remember. present. He helped you stay in the present right. moment. And I know that some of the, I don't know, Bo, do you remember a question or two that you may have asked her or not? I, 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 yes. I don't, but I do know that I, I'm such a big fan of her father. Um, and so I think I, I do remember asking at that point something about her, her dad, what would she, what would he say? Yes. Um, and yeah, so you're smiling. So, yeah. and, and I, and I, and I love that in, in, in our practice about making that connection and being present with that person, um, even though they're not with us, because that helped, that's helping me. I mean, if you look over my shoulder, I come up every morning and I have these pictures of my family and not one person sitting over my shoulder. Now, this is my sister, but all these folks over here, none of these people are currently physically with us. But I have these people and I and I can communicate with them, but I'm learning that. And so the that distance is closed a little bit more because, you know, what would they say to you right now? And I think that draws them in and it brings that that gap of missing them uh, that that closes that gap. And it was really I remember that conversation only in that. Um, we made that connection. So, yeah. And so, and, and in, in the community resiliency model, we call that conversational resourcing. After resourcing, crisis, right. Right. So where we yeah. will ask a person, well, if they would have, if they'd be here right now, what would they say to you? And that's yeah. sometimes yeah. Be very powerful. And we call up their presence and all the ways that they were resourceful to us. And then they're with us in the, in that very, well, I could say for me, when that happens, it's a very spiritual experience that I can feel yeah. the presence and all that I learned from that person that we've lost. So it's an important, it's an, it was a what, a, what a wonderful conversation. Thank you for sharing that, Mebin, and also bringing it to your daughter as well and how we can, we can move across generations with these uh, wellness skills that we talk about. But I want to know yeah. if I can segue right now. Um, I want to find out a little bit how the, um, how did the resiliency task force get started? So which one of you would like to go first? Her. <laughs> All right, Megan. It sounds like you're the, you're the one who's going to go first on this one. So. Well, <laughs> you know, um, how did it get started? That we, I, I see. Um, there, um, we have an, a really wonderful community. We live in a community that has some really hard history, but we also have a community um, around racism and um, a massacre that happened that has never been properly resolved. But we also live in a community where there are a lot of people who um, who care a lot about the wellness of, of everyone. And in the spring of 2018, we showed the movie Resilience out of KPJR Films. Um, and it was shown at a Smart Start conference um, called the First 2000 Day Summit, because those are the number of days between a time a child is born and when they show up for kindergarten, approximately, and, and why those first days are so important. Um, and at that movie, we, we had the showing and then we were going to have a conversation. And at the end of the film, we had a break and I had asked Judge Corpening to stand up to make sure that people didn't leave because it, it was, it was a, a good chance to get out. If, if, you know, rather than staying from one to four, you could, you could stay from one to two thirty and regain some of your afternoon. And I asked um, judge Corpney to get up and, and tell, tell people to stay. So what a judge tells you to stay, you're much more likely to, to do 
what you're told to do. So, so people stayed and there were over a hundred people in the room at small tables having conversations about now that we know this, now that we know what trauma does to people, um, what are we going to do about it? And that was, and, and at one of the tables, um, Louise Hicks, who's the head of communities and schools and Scott Wisnett, who's the head of community engagement for the hospital, um, decided to write a grant to fund the creation of a blueprint for our community, how if for us to become resilient. And um, that was funded. And I took a leave of absence from my, my then job as family um, manager, family services manager at Smart Start. It was going to be a six month thing and it ended up being three years. Um, but I, I loved it. And so you had the right 100 people in that room, and you had the right person. Well, actually, the idea came from you to get that judge to stand up to, uh, to say, don't leave. So then they, so they wrote the grant. And then now, I mean, I know that, Bo, you're from Human Resources from New Hanover County, and you have just done a lot of work in bringing the community resiliency model to the county and other wellness resources. So how did the county and the task force intersect? How did that happen? So the, the task force wanted to uh, come up with some kind of strategic plan. And so one of my truly inspired people at the county, Beth Schrader, who at the time was the chief strategy officer and is now director of resilience and recovery for New Hanover County, was asked by Mebbin to come in and help them take all of this energy and lay it out into verticals. You know, what is it that we are that the task force was going to actually uh, try to accomplish, and then set up some goals, et cetera. And, and data, I had worked, data, data, and data. Yeah, data, data, data. Because you know, money follows data. Data will then create money that will then create outcomes. You know, all that kind of, and and I had had the privilege of being the facilitator. Um, for the New Hanover County strategic plan. So she brought me and another colleague, J.D. Limberger, in to sort of help work on that project together. And this was after Hurricane Florence, and I was struggling to figure out what model to do resilience for, for the county. Because after Hurricane Florence, I had had resilience being taught as an elective on our professional development catalog. So as an employee of New Hanover County, you could take a resilience class, but it had never been made mandatory. We have two mandatory classes a year for all in-county employees, but it was only an elective and it was business acumen, right? It wasn't, it wasn't tied to your biology and all that. And Mebbin and the task force got the grant to bring the Trauma Resource Institute in to then develop teachers that would be certified to do the CRIM uh, community resilience model uh, for uh, the area to help build capacity around this. And can I add Somehow, one thing? Can I add ahead. one thing to this? Because I really feel like I want to acknowledge Carrie Sip. Because Carrie Sip, who is from oh. ACES Connection, yes. <laughs> formerly yeah, yeah. ACES Connection, um, we know each other. We've known each other for a number of years. And after the hurricane, she said, Will you give a talk? a little, you know, webinar to folks in your part of the world. And I think, um, Mebbin, that's, I don't know if you were on that that first time. I was actually, yeah. that was the first time I had heard of CREM. 
Uh, that's not true. That was the first time I had experienced anything of CREM. So several, a, a couple of folks from Wilmington had gone up to Raleigh to get the CREM training, oh, okay. but I hadn't had it and I'd heard of it. But so when Carrie said, Elaine is willing to do this for us for free, can you get some people in a room? Um, and, and we had that many, many training, many um, webinar um, to just give us just a couple of nuggets, but my gosh, they were so valuable at that point in time. And it was following that when we, actually Louise Hicks wrote the grant to Department of Public Instruction, and that's where we got the money to do the um, CREM trainings on a larger scale. Right. So I think what's important about this is we're talking about how one community in the United States got started. It's like collaboration and people who are connected to other organizations that are working on not only trauma-informed, but resiliency-informed. And we know that with ACEs, they just changed their name to PACEs because it's not only the adverse child experiences, but it's also the positive ones. And so um, it's, it's the networks that we make not only in our local community, but even in the macro system that can come in, that can generate new ideas and, and a convergence of collaboration. And I, that's what always excites me when I talk to the two of you, because you live in that world. And Absolutely. so do I, and how do we bring people together? So I just had to add that and shout out to Carrie Sipp. We'll have to, to make sure we'll let her know that. So in any event, go, can, please continue, Bo. I know I interrupted Absolutely. you. Absolutely. No, you no. To say. It, it, again, it's that we were, y'all, before we, before we got on, on, on air, we were talking about convergence of ley lines and, and energy. And, and it was this energy. It was exactly what Elaine's talking about. And so when, when the task force got the ability to do this training, I was able to go to the eight hour, uh, which is the full day community resilience model training. Uh, I was not able to do the teacher certification right off the bat, but I was able to go to the full day. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. I'm sitting in that room and I was sitting with four other New Hanover County employees. And I'm going to name them because they became so instrumental. Amy Reed from the library, Susan Henley from uh, Health, who's a licensed clinical social worker. Amy was the outreach coordinator. Uh, Robin Johnson, who's a uh, child protective services social worker. And, and then myself, so it's four. And we were sitting in that room. And, and y'all, it was, we looked at each other like, oh, my God, this is it. Um, and, and the reason we did that is, yeah, resilience as an acumen, as a business acumen, works because you learn, you know, some skills and things like that, but it didn't bring it in the body. So the connection wasn't there, but here we're in this room and we're connecting it. And we looked at each other from all our different areas of how we worked in New Hanover County. And we realized this is what we need to bring in for the next iteration of mandatory training at New Hanover County to make a difference. And this is post hurricane, but more than post hurricane. This is what we need to help people, no matter what systems aren't, aren't working, no matter what stress level, no matter what we're doing, this is what we need to help people be well while they're making their service and commitment and going through their life on a daily basis and, and being able to connect more and to be well so that they can continue to make that happen. And that's where that came from. And so we met after that training I made the proposal to my management. They loved it. Um, and then we got together as a group with Mevin's uh, mentorship, and we put together a 90-minute training uh, that would be delivered to all New Hanover County employees. And it, it, that's, as they say, the rest is history. 
I mean, it's transformed. And if you want to go ahead and get into the data and stuff, it has it has literally made a difference in our entire county government. Well, so I do want to get into the to the the data, and we're going to do that after our break. We're very close to taking our break, and as you can hear, um, uh, as our audience are listening to both of you, so many incredible things have happened as these two people have been joined with many people in their community to create a more resilient New Hanover County, and we have so much more information to share with you after the break, where they will both talk about the different groups within their community that have been impacted. We have to get back to those 911 folks because I bet you they've been trained now, but we're going to have to hold off for that for just a moment. And also, um, we're going to hear a little bit more about the um, the information that came from your evaluation, which is so important. And so, with that, we're going to take our break. And when we come back, we'll hear more from Mebin Boyd and Bo Dean about resiliency in New Hanover County and how they have brought it forward. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma-informed and resiliency-focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine miller Karras' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models, is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Elaine miller Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Welcome back. I'm here with Mevin Boyd and Bo Dean from New Hanover County, North Carolina. We've been talking about their resiliency task force, and we're going to continue with getting some information from them about when they, you were talking, Bo, about when you launched um, the training, the 90-minute training in your community. And what happened? I know that you did an evaluation piece. So uh, yes. let us know what the results are. So what happened when you did this? How did, how did so, it impact people? With Amy Reed and uh, Robin and Susan, predominantly Amy and I, I mean, Amy really was just an amazing instrumental uh, person involved in rolling this out. And, and Robin and Susan and I, uh, all of us uh, doing all of the employees and did some customized even versions of this for health teams, et cetera. We did a survey after each of the training and over 94% of our employees who answered the survey um, said rated it four or above on a scale of five. It was overwhelming. I've never done a mandatory training that had that high of a rating before. But more, more than that, which if you could even be more than that, because that was pretty exceptional even in that, we had such an interest in coming back to do the eight-hour version. So we're offering the eight-hour version of the community resilience model once a month. So we've had, you know, 15, 20 people wanting each month to then come back and do the eight-hour version. And on top of that, then we did a, we got six resilience questions into our employee survey for this year. And remarkably, we saw in the employee survey that the adoption of the adoption of uh, resilience, not only understanding of resilience, permeated the employees in the employee survey, but that it was re- it was permeating uh, favorably. That people understood the difference between unpleasant and the shift to pleasant. We asked questions about that. We talked about the shift. We talked about, you know, what is your favorite, you know, tool? And they, and grounding actually was probably the most favorite. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I do a grounding from now for every training that I do. But, but still, I mean, it, it was mind-blowing to see that in the employee survey, people remembered, people were using it. We had visuals for booths put up in almost every building. You didn't have to have the training to use the booths. We integrated it into emergency management so that you were, you know, when we have another event, which we've had, we had these on the tables. We had these up so people could remember. And then we've got actual eight-hour folks who are CRIM guides who are going in and reminding people, hey, um, you want to take a second and do a help now? Take a sip, push up against a wall. You doing all right? Check it in on each other. So, and lastly... We, to make sure that this didn't end up being a one-off, we started what's called the Resilience Working Group. I knew, and, and, and so much happens, and, and y'all know, corporate world, it doesn't matter, public service, so often you do a training and it's forgotten, right? Well, this can't be that way. So what we did was we knew that there were separate groups, trauma-informed leadership team, peer support, critical incident stress management, all these different people trained in different ways. So we brought them all together and we literally meet monthly and we talk about how are we going to keep moving this through permeate with CRIM or resilient skills period and make sure that's integrated and then get it out there. And so one of the ways we do that is through our Microsoft team site. So we do postings, we do emails, 
We do all sorts of different things to keep this conversation going and stay connected back to the Resilience Task Force, to other resources, so that there's always different ways it's coming at people and they know there's a resilience group. And then there's a list of peers that people can call if they're having issues that can defer them to resources or to other places and they're getting calls. I mean, I, we had a meeting on Friday and the trauma-informed leadership team who uses CRIM talked about, we've been having some really big, we had a mass shooting unfortunately recently and social workers were really struggling. They got a lot of calls. They're reaching out across this team for the CISM and the CRIM folks and we're being utilized. So this is working. Um, so and we're just going to keep that going. Yeah. So one of the things I, I love about when you talk about CISM, which is crit- Critical Incident Stress Management yeah. and the Community Resiliency Model, is it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can that's be an right. intersection. And yeah. I think that's an important thing for people to consider because many people have invested a lot of time in to become CISM trained. But there is a biological piece to the Community Resiliency Model in terms right. of the stabilization skills that actually can be a nice marriage of, of the two together. So I, I'm really impressed with this um, with the resiliency working group because you brought so many of the key stakeholders together that really started in that that group of a hundred that were brought together in the very beginning. So I mean this is really exciting. So I guess I I'm, I want to come back to Mebin and ask Mebin this question: What do you think has big, been the biggest accomplishment of the resiliency task force? Oh my gosh, I um I think it has to do with um the way that we have created safe spaces to be together and to have hard conversations. Um, I, I, I wanted to add on one thing though, oh, sure. um, go, go to, right to what, yes. what Bo was saying about what's different. Um, I, I don't go to all of these uh, monthly meetings that, that Bo does because it conflicts with a, a couple other things I do on Friday mornings. But um, one of the, when I, did go there was one time I said what what do you all notice that is different now that you've learned this material now that this training is a part of our is starting to be a part of our culture and what I heard was just so encouraging because people said we are more aware of our peers needs mm-hmm. we're more aware when our coworkers are having bad days or we're more sensitive to our coworkers um, experiencing secondary trauma. So that people were m- much more willing to come to the aid of a coworker who was having a bad day, who maybe had seen something um, traumatic or who had had some, something personal going on, that people were in tune to other people's stress levels. And, and I think that is huge. Um, it, it just shows up in a more compassionate, more kind, more sensitive workplace. And, and that's a, kind of a hard thing to measure, but that's the kind of qualitative data that I, I think we got back from a lot of different departments when they were evaluating what was different now that we've been doing this. And I think that that's one of the things that with the community resiliency model we've seen around the world is that there's something about when we pay attention to this amazing biology of our human nervous system and learn how to to regulate it in such simple ways that it does affect 
the way that we think about things in the world. Not only do we have more self-compassion, but we tend to reach out to others in a different way. And I just love the universality of that. And I hear you talk about that. I think it does touch us very deeply because we see so much divisity that has happened um, within our in our world, but to think about some simple things that could possibly bring us together. And I can tell that Bo has something on his mind that he wants to say about this. Right no, now. I was, I, no, no, I was wondering. listening intently. Yes. I, yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I, I, I see it at, at every level of our organization and I'm not blowing sunshine up, up my uh, county manager's uh, pant leg, but I will tell you, <laughs> you know, it's, it's at every level. I mean, you know, you got to have leadership, right? But it, but I, you know, he is amazing at at allowing for space of ideas, and and that's, you know, you see it at that kind of leadership level. And we were talking about Judge Corpening earlier, you know, he stood at the door. We we call him Batman because he's just he's such an incredible sort of fierce um, advocate out there for not only youth but the community as a whole and. It's all of these people. I mean, uh, Louise over at um, uh, Communities in Schools. I mean, everybody using uh, Scott, all these people using their privilege or their power or their place. I've got a a county manager named Tofana. I mean, all these people, my boss. I mean, I I fear for my boss because can you imagine managing me? Good Lord. Um, You know, Mark allowing space for all this, right? So, but everybody's... To Mebin's point, it, it's it's a little bit gentler, but also a little bit more space for what happened. And I love that whatever that 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 chart is, where the conventional was, you know, what is wrong? What you know, we used to say, what's wrong with this? What's what are we missing? You know, what's wrong with you? Blah blah blah. Now we're doing what happened? You know, what what, what can we do more of? And then we get to that place and it's not, it's not going upwards, but we're thinking about what's right with you. You know, what can we do more of? How can we add more to create more? God, it's so powerful. And, and we're doing more. So optimistic that. too, right? Is an ost- Yeah, yeah. Even when there's suffering that we can somehow weave this in. But what I'm really impressed about is that you really have yeah. the whole community involved. So you have the 1,800 county employees. But, but Mebin, you've trained many more people than that. Can you give oh, us God, yeah. some other ideas? Um, and who else has been trained in CRIM? Sure. So we... The total is up way over 4,300 people in New Hanover County who have had some sort of resilience, um, you know, your body's reaction to trauma training, um, 90 minutes up to two days. Um, and we, the task force um, divided up into eight subcommittees. So we've worked in the early childhood community. We call that zero to eight. The school system, um, Bo touched on the uh, school resource officers who've had this. We've trained a lot of teachers. Um, We have done this training for faith communities. We've done this um, actually, um, there's a family faith and communities subcommittee. And within that context, we've done trainings at, at faith communities and with families that we have a group of really creative creme trainers who took some of these skills and and made them into a family game night. So, for example, the families had to go off and do a scavenger hunt and bring back resources. And this was done during time of COVID. So, you know, the family scattered goes in, the kid brings back teddy bear, or this is my resource. This makes me feel 
safe. This makes me feel good. Um, We've worked with law enforcement, first responders. We have worked with, we have an arts committee because so many people express their trauma and healing from trauma through different art modalities. Um, What am I missing? This Um, is certainly a testament to what else is true about our world, even when faced with very difficult times. When I think about that little boy bringing his teddy bear in, oh my goodness, that touches me to my heart. Yep. Well, just recently, I mean, Mevin, y'all, the, the task force inspired this incredible activity with the, with the local museum uh, to bring uh, together, and I speak, you'd speak better than that than I would, but the, the product that they came out of with this, bringing these art communities together and the kids, it was just incredible. So I'm sorry, I won't speak to it because you, you would do much better than I would. Well, the university really um, got behind this, the Office of the Arts and the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, um, together with the task force and CREM um, training, work with the schools. That's a lot of people, right? And yeah, right, systems. right. And I think that is, when you talked, Elaine, about what are what are we most proud of? Yes. I think it's, it's, it's um, coming together around the same idea of healing from trauma and um, powerful human connections where we used to do this over here with the university and the schools were over here That's doing right. this and the hospital was over here doing this. And now I feel like um, through this work, we're connecting in ways that make us so much stronger. And this example that Bo's bringing up, it was called the Just Us Project that worked with middle schoolers and they learned some creme skills. They worked with some artists, uh, teaching artists, and they created their own artwork to express how they showed resilience and how they learned about resilience. Um, The task force was just one partner in a handful of organizations that did this. But I think the task force role was putting, getting people in that safe space in the same room to create something pretty awesome. Well, can I just also ask another question that's kind of, that's connected because when we first met, of course, it was because of the, the hurricane Florence. And then our, we had a number of people that came to Hanover County and they, um, and did um, the community resiliency model teacher training program. I think we've had a couple since then. So you have a number of certified community resiliency model teachers, mm-hmm. but then, so you were, infusing your community with wellness skills and then another hurricane was coming so Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit both of you a little bit about was it different this time because you you had had the resilient task force working you know i work with the international transformational resilience coalition in fact i'll have the person who started that um program um on the show in two weeks bob doppelt this is a very important question how we build prevention. So whichever one of you wants to go first on that one. Well, we've had two hurricanes two. since Florence. Oh my gosh, I'm had... thinking just one, but there's two. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's um, hard to keep track. But it, it, it's, and, and Bo's the expert on this. I, I'll just give my little piece and then turn it over to Bo on this. I, I think um, we had Dorian that, um, you know, devastated the Caribbean and then um, came up the East Coast. Didn't We didn't have that big of a um, physical impact from Dorian. But because it came on the heels of Florence, there's sort of that psychological memory of what's going to happen. You know, it was so fresh. And then we've had um, 
Isaias. But in terms of the 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 response, Bo, I think you're better able to address this question. Well, I, I'm so proud. I mean, first of all, uh, going back to um, uh, after this was over and we started getting this sort of permeated. Um, I remember Dorian, Amy, and Susan and I, Amy Reed, Susan Henley and I, we, um, I was preparing for emergency duty. Amy and Susan got up. They got all the, the printouts of the help nows and the skills and stuff, and they went out to the shelters, and we had those posted. Um, we got online, and we got on Facebook, and we pushed out material into the community ahead of the storm, ahead of what was happening. People were downloading the app. Um, if you are listening to this and you haven't do um, downloaded the iChill app, please do. It's free, and it's not going to invade your phone. Um, but it's, it's magnificent. You don't need training to use it. And I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm, you know, this is not QVC. This is actual, just really amazing <laughs> stuff. But the community responded. And the, the comments you got from all sectors of the community about this stuff was, you know, wow, this really is helping me. This is helping me get through. This is what's helping me get through right now. That was the first off. That was Dorian. When we finally got to Isaias, and my, my Southern Wake County comes out when I try to say that name of that storm, but whenever the, when that storm came, we were more operational. I mean, whenever Anna McRae from our assistant director of emergency management would start to do the, we would always, every shift, you do a breakdown of what's about to happen. She would do a, she would do a reset. She would do a resilience reset for the entire emergency operations center. I mean, you know, this is starting to get really into the flow of standard work. Um, you know, she was doing videos um, that were being pumped out to the entire organization where she's bringing in some humor and she's doing some things to get people online. Just total changes. I mean, we were talking about the cupcake notices and some other things, resourcing. Yeah, I mean, this is different. Preparation so that people are not like this and we're using the hand brain model where they're offline and they're able to be in their cognitive responses. And I can remember still where people were in Florence when we were making the phone calls and hearing from employees, not like that right now because of the preparation that has gone in and using the materials to make sure we get out and ahead of things. And I'll be honest with you, the amount of information that is put into the smallest of storms now, the smallest of issues, COVID, whatever it is, is so different than it was at one time because we realize we want to keep people in their zone and be able to make sure that we're communicating, not over communicating, but communicating to help them stay uh, in the best place that we can and keep them online, if that makes sense. Well, that does big, because big that will help them respond to whatever's happening, right. whether there's a, a big wind coming their way and they need to get into shelter. If they're online right. with that, they're going to make better choices. So, I mean, that's, that's, right. that's one of the core concepts of the community resiliency model. Um, yep. So, so in any event, um, I, I want to kind of segue right now, and uh, I want to get back to that nine one one experience that you had in the little bit of time that we have left, Bo. So, did you ever go back and train those folks after you spent that time with them? Every uh, certified training or uh, officer, uh, their trainers on the floor, they all went through the eight hour. All the supervisors went through the eight hour. And then all of the telecommunicators themselves have all gone through it. And 
their response to it has been incredible. In fact, one of the leads on the Resilience Task Force, uh, the Resilience Working Group that we have, um, is Roscoe Harris and Karen Benton and Lisa Weldrick from uh, their Quality Assurance. Uh, Deborah Cottle, who's their manager, um, Hope Downs, who's their director. I mean, we've got Courtney, uh, Courtney uh, McLaurin, who's their, now their trainer. They are some of the leads in all of this. And I celebrate uh, not only them, but also their integration of this. Because again, you're doing that, you're, you're staying amped up. And so their ability to, to get back online, to stay in their zone, that's a, that's a regular activity for them. So yes, it's something that they're working on and that they're continuing to permeate with. Okay, and I'm going to come to Mebin now. And we only have a few minutes left, Mebin. Is there any like parting word you want to say to other communities that might be thinking about, well, could we start a resiliency task force in our community? Any, any words of wisdom? Uh, I think um, I've said this multiple times, but sometimes you know, the more you hear the same thing, hopefully it registers. I think creating safe spaces, you know, safe places for people to express their feelings, tell us what's happening um, is one of the most important things that needs to happen in order to begin to community build around resilience. Um, when we don't feel safe, is when our minds go offline, like like Bo shows that brain yes. model, and and so what does a community, what does a safe meeting look like? What does a safe phone call look like? What well, does a so, safe inter- interaction with coworkers look like? And so, if someone would like to get in touch with you, could you tell us how they can really uh, quickly? How can they get in touch with you to learn more f- of your wisdom? Sure. Um, I guess I'll do my personal email because I, I actually, my official last day was April 9th and, and okay, I am what, beginning. Um, your new so job. I'll so just could, do my personal one. Yeah, so go ahead. Uh, is Mebin B, M E B A N E, is first name, then the initial B at gmail.com. And okay, I would great. be happy and to talk with anybody. Thank you. And then, and then Bo, how can people get in touch with you? So, so Bo Dean on Facebook, um, uh, Bo Dean at nhcgov.com, Resilience in Action on Facebook. And then I want to give one plug to Mebin uh, for uh, nhcboucesback.org. Okay. nhcboucesback.org is the Resilience Task Force website. And Thank you, Bo. And that's all posted, but I want to thank both of you so much oh. for coming. Oh, my goodness, that was the fastest hour yet. And I <laughs> just appreciate the work that you do in the world and, and blessings to both of you. We love Thanks you. for inspiring us, Elaine. Oh, well, I, I do what I can. And I just want to remind our listeners to remember what else is true. We just had two guests that have gone through their own suffering. And also, as we can see, they asked that question, what else is true? And look what they have led in their part of the world. And can you do it in your part of the world or just in your household? So I'm, I'm wishing you all well for the next week, and we'll see you back uh, next Monday at 1 p.m. on Voice of America. And thank you, Trauma Resource Institute, for sponsoring our program. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.